UAE and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia are looking to implement Industry 4.0 as a part of their initiatives to localize manufacturing and reduce their reliance on an oil-based economy and invest in more sustainable technologies. Additive manufacturing could play a key role for both these countries to achieve this vision. To understand more about the current and future scenario of AIM industry in the Middle East, I, Aditya Chandavarkar, co-founder Indian 3D Printing Network, catch up with Fami Al-Shawa, CEO and founder Imensa Additive Manufacturing on this episode of AM Infocast. Fami is one of the leading advocates of AM in the Middle East and leads a team of more than 30 specialized AM engineers across three offices in the GCC as a part of his organization, Imensa Additive Manufacturing, which is the region's leading additive manufacturing company. On this podcast, he talks about his journey since he first got introduced to AM the challenges pertaining to the adoption of this technology, the current scenario of AIM industry in the Middle East. He also shares insight on how the roadmap looks for the technology in the region and his organization. Let's tune in to find out more. Welcome to AIM Infocast, Fami. Great to have you here. Uh, thank you, Aditya. It's a pleasure to be here. So before we uh, you know, get into more technical details about the technology and you know, what, what you're doing in the Middle East, uh, you come with a very diverse career background and uh, you know, experience of working with various startups. Uh, how did you get introduced to additive manufacturing? It's an interesting story. I come from a background of uh, VC and startups. And back in 2014, I was looking at the next adventure. What are we going to actually look into? What kind of business? One of the businesses we were looking at investing in was a trading company that traded 3D printers, your very typical desktop uh, FDM machines. It's a bit cliche to say it, but it was uh, love at first sight. I, I just fell in love with the technology. Sort of the engineering operations uh, I had just kicked in. And the more I started uh, researching and uh, digging into what is 3D printing and what it does, it started one thing led to the other, and I just found that there's a whole universe of, uh, of a world called additive manufacturing. 2015, I decided I want to take a much deeper look into this technology. And I was privileged enough to have the, the luxury of actually taking nine months off. And I spent nine months traveling. I, I want to say I probably visited at least 50% of uh, any company that did 3D printing back then. Uh, I visited companies like uh, Materialize. I visited uh, I even went to uh, Ogden, Utah, which <laughs> living in the U.S. for 10 years, I never even knew that there was a town called Ogden in Utah. I went there to meet a company called uh, White Clouds, and they did the 3D printing. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized that there's a lot of value behind this technology. It's not about prototyping and model making and figurines. There's actually a, a real value proposition that this technology actually gets into it. And that's how my passion uh, Coming back into the region, started looking at who's here, what are they doing? There was a bit of hype starting in terms of 3D printing in the UAE and what they want to do. But what I realized, it was very, very shallow. Uh, there wasn't any depth in the knowledge. It was very shallow introduction of 3D printing. A lot of the people in this part of the world were just traders who were trying to sell the machines. Nobody looked at the application side. Nobody looked at how can we leverage this technology in a functional way. And that's when Immensa sort of was born. In 2016, we said, let's go down the route of industrial 3D printing. Let's set up a facility to explore what's there. 
and let's uh, see where can we what's the value proposition we can give uh, customers and end users and how can we leverage this technology best so uh, that's sort of my journey it's 2014 by 16 we started the company and slowly slowly it evolved and the business model morphed into what we do today which is digitizing parts for additive manufacturing that's a great you know story uh, to share and uh, you know of course you shared about your journey with Imensa briefly but can you share a bit more deeper insights into you know from starting Imensa until today you know what are the challenges did you overcome in really adopting AM at the organization I think that the largest challenge in uh, additive manufacturing not just I think not just Imensa I think this is something where everyone in this uh, involved in this technology faces is the awareness of the technology and you you'll know this more than anyone else. 3D printing and additive manufacturing is just another manufacturing process. And people tend to generalize and sort of group it saying 3D printing, 3D printing. And you come and say, and my answer always is sort of a bit cheek and tongue. I tell them, yes, 3D printing, 3D printing. It's like me asking you, you're in injection molding or you're in casting. What is it you're manufacturing? How are you leveraging this technology? And this is always sort of what gets people to stop and, and take note of saying, so what do you mean? You do 3D printing? I said, yes, I do 3D printing. But what am I? Am I 3D printing syringes for medical use? Or am I 3D printing parts for a uh, jetliner? Or am I 3D printing a figurine, <laughs> a replica of yourself? So the challenge is, is building that awareness. And, and that I think that's a global thing uh, uh, where people still haven't really uh, may, uh, gone into the mainstream understanding. That is amplified in this part of the world, in the Middle East, because until 2016, we really didn't have any direct exposure to 3D printing outside a few academic uh, institutions. And whatever 3D printing was available, we're talking about the desktop Ultimakers and Crealities. We didn't have any industrial machines. There definitely wasn't any metal machines. So it was you're trying to tackle two issues, building awareness on the technology and trying to sort of find the applications of what this technology can be applied locally. So I would say this was definitely the biggest challenge. Uh, and I would say that challenge uh, remained with us and we kept chipping at it for probably three to four years. COVID was, uh, when the pandemic started in 2020, that was a break for us. That was actually a very good opportunity for us to take 3D printing into the spotlight, talk about the agility of its usage, how we converted from doing industrial parts to PPEs to serve the local uh, needs. And then, at the, so that, that put us in the news, we got a lot of coverage, uh, all the way from New York Times to the local publications. And then when COVID ended, or towards the end of it, we were able to, again, reposition the messaging. And a lot of the end users and the customers, the corporates, started understanding the value of 3D printing because they required spare parts and the supply chains were horrendous. Uh, they were asking for parts from Italy that the lead time would be six months and seven months. They'd ask for shipping from China. The China would tell them, sorry, we're backlogged for God knows how long. So they found the 3D printing to be a fantastic uh, redundancy plan where they can come, we can actually uh, uh, reverse engineer the part and produce it for them and it fits their need. So I think COVID was a good way to tackle our biggest challenge. Uh, we still, of course, have challenges, uh, but they're much more manageable nowadays. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, insight there. Uh, you 
so uh, just just moving to the region you know how has the am industry evolved in the middle east because traditionally it's not a very heavy manufacturing uh, economy you know uh, you know so how how has the industry overall evolved and how is am playing a role and what's the current scenario in the market my belief as i mentioned earlier it's uh, it's not about the am industry as much as try to focus it to how are you going to leverage this technology so uh, the the beauty of am is the agility of the process you actually have machinery that you don't have to spend tens of millions of dollars to set up and they'll and they'll end up being a one trick pony they do just the same thing it's it's a very agile technology as you know so in terms of where the adoption in the middle east I would say it's we're still in the very very early stages. If you if you want to look at the total, I, I, the statistics I always quote is from Wahle report. In 2018 and 2019, there was over 18,000 industrial 3D printers sold every year. In 2019, that number grew to 19,000 industrial 3D printers sold across the world. And if I take that and compare it to the number of industrial printers installed, not purchased physically operational in the entire middle in the entire GCC or the Middle East, you can count them on your hands. You have less than 10 machines. So we're talking not even, we weren't even in the ball game. The Middle East wasn't even a player in AM. After probably Africa, we were, we had the least number of penetration of uh, 3D printers, which, which presented two things. First was a challenge because you're talking about a region that's very nascent and the understanding of the technology. But at the same time, it provides a huge opportunity. People who focused on applications, on seeing how can we leverage this technology in a useful method, actually benefited from it. So we came in and said, we're not trying to sell machines. We're not trying to convince you to adopt technology. What, where is your pain points? What can we do for you? And we, and we tried to focus on specific sectors. So in the medical sector, we found a few applications that uh, did add value to them surgical guides, customized braces and so on. The manufacturer of eyewear needed a customized range and we actually found a way to 3D print for him functional eyeglasses. So we started producing that for him and that's an ongoing contract. Then in sectors like oil and gas, we started going after spare parts, heavy equipment, machinery for construction sector. So it was as, as these applications developed within Azemsa, we saw the same thing happen across uh, the market. People started understanding, saying, okay, what can we leverage this technology for? And you, you find today you have a good base that are using it for medical. Uh, you have a Synterex, people behind it focus on dental, and there's a very strong application of dental. You see a lot of the you see a defense sector actually start adopting it. Aviation is experimenting with it. So I want to say it's, uh, it's difficult to put it in comparative uh, to other regions, but I would say we're a good couple of years behind adoption in places like uh, India or places like uh, the US and Europe. If, if the rest of the world is adopting AM at a growth rate of 20, 25% a year based on the reports we see, I think that the Middle East will see a growth of closer to 50 to 60% per year. And that's just because we started from a much, much lower base. I think the, the penetration of machines, the penetration of usage application over the next three years is extremely promising. And if we just look at the data, in 2018, we only had one polymer SLS machine. We were the only ones with an SLS machine in the entire GCC. Today, uh, between HP, EOS, you have at least 
a dozen machines applied. We are the only private sector with a metal machine, as it stands, with a couple of metal machines today, as it stands. Uh, government academia has a few, but I think over the next 24 months, we're going to see at least six or seven metal machines being installed across the region. So we're seeing a very, very healthy growth rate. We're still young, still very, the penetration is still very low, but we see the appetite from the government driving it. We see the appetite from corporates being more open-minded and using it. And we're seeing a very young population of uh, graduates that are coming into the workforce that understand the technology, which also is helping facilitate. Uh, that's great insight, uh, Ami. And just to, you know, talk about more of your uh, expansion or your areas you're moving into what was uh, you know what was the motivation to for you to expand into saudi arabia and you know can you talk a bit about that sure immensa was set up more as a regional company from day one we we never saw ourselves bound by any geographic location uh, we set up in dubai because dubai facilitates the infrastructure at the time facilitated the infrastructure and the regulatory framework for us to be based out of here uh, but we always envisioned ourselves to be a pan-regional or even international company. So we set up in Dubai, we expanded, covered the UAE. As of last year, I would say probably a third of our business was from Saudi. Overall, probably 60-70% of our business from across the Gulf region, of which half of that comes from Saudi, and the rest comes between the, our local market in the UAE, Kuwait, and more recently Qatar. So it was all, and, and Saudi is... It does have a big manufacturing base. It has the largest population and the GDP in Saudi is equivalent to the entire Middle East combined. So it was natural for us to look at Saudi as uh, not just an expansion, but really as our core market moving forward. We had plans to set up ourselves in Saudi. We got an opportunity to acquire a company that was in AM and had a good bunch of founders and engineers. So what we did is we figured the, the best way is we acquire them, merge them into what we build as an infrastructure and grow it from there. Yeah, and with, uh, you know, Imensa joining recently the international group uh, led by DNVGL uh, for the oil and gas sector and your recent license approval from Ministry of Investments, how does the roadmap for Imensa look like from here on, you know, for the next two, three years and, and, uh, and also for the Middle East uh, AM market? In terms of DNVGL, we've been participating in the joint innovation programs for the last three years. So we were part of the committee that set up the guidelines, later turned into standards for metallic 3D printed parts for the oil and gas and maritime industry. Then they launched a second JIP, which was for digital inventory. So we try to be sort of not an authority, but have a very deep knowledge in AM and to just uh, built on that, we, we joined these uh, innovation programs, we invest a lot in research and development, building our credentials, building our international network, because that gives us insight, that gives us a competitive edge, and that keeps, uh, keeps us relevant uh, on what's happening. So uh, that on the international side. In terms of Ministry of Investments, we were uh, very, honestly, it was, a, it was a, a very joyous moment for us. And it shows you the progressiveness of the Saudi government and where they're going. Uh, when they issued the license, most countries, as you know, don't have the activity of additive manufacturing. So when you're registering the company that you do 3D printing, your activities can be industrial manufacturing, can be trading, can be a lot of different things, but you rarely have countries that have identified additive manufacturing as a business activity in itself. And Saudi trying to be progressive actually pushed and said, we're going to issue an activity which is additive manufacturing. So that was why we went all out with announcing it. We were very proud of that moment. And it shows the commitment 
Saudi government has, and as well as the openness that the market is to this technology. Where do we see ourselves in the region? The regions are home turf, and we see ourselves, we, we've taken this plunge and we've made the investment to build a lot of depth in our know-how, our expertise, our team. We've built very good uh, rapport and uh, uh, relations and references with the leading companies across the Middle East. And, and we hope that we continue being sort of the point of reference for them. So we, we not necessarily the gateway, we, we do encourage others to come into the market. The more people come in, the more the penetration, the one company can't do it all. But we'd like to guide people in the right way. We'd like to, we have a, one of the, the first sort of uh, ethos in our company is uh, be ethical and share knowledge. So we try to participate as much as possible in sharing the knowledge of AM. So if we can set the benchmark in the region saying, oh, build the awareness, build the education around it. One of the one of the things I don't like personally, and I, I find it my pet peeve, is when the resellers of machines or the OEMs of these 3D printers come into the region. They try to dump machines. They try, and, and, and fair, that's, that's their objective, to sell as much machines as they can. But part of their marketing and their sales strategy is misguided. I think they overpromise what these systems can do. So uh, as long as we can be build that awareness, be sort of, again, like not the authority in added manufacturing, but really be the reference that people can come to and feel comfortable and trust us, we're going to keep building on that. We definitely, I mean, we are currently the largest in a, in a small market, but I th- we aspire to continue being the largest, not just in our region, but also outside the region. Today, today, to touch up on this today, so today we do have our operations in the UAE with, with our facilities here. We do have our Saudi operation. We just uh, registered our company in Kuwait, where we have been working for the last uh, two years, but we finally opened our office. And we see Qatar uh, as a next step, where we'll probably be opening our branch soon over there. We do service Oman from the UAE. And recently, we set up a small company in the US just to sort of service the region. But we see ourselves being pan-region, definitely. Yeah, that's a you know great plan, and I we wish you the best to you know go on to that uh, path. And yeah, I think you were you were right about the point. It's important to manage expectations with this technology, and you know sometimes the complexity is underestimated. So it's important to have the right expectations from it as one of the manufacturing technologies. And and I think it's it's great insight you've shared about you know your region you know what you have done in your journey i think it's 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 going to be quite interesting information for the industry and uh, i'd like to thank you again for joining us today and we wish you the best thank you thank you much for having me and i always follow you and best of luck i, I love what you do i love uh, the podcasts you do and uh, thank you for having me it's really an honor to be in your program thank you for joining us for this episode of aim infocast powered by amchronicle.com Hope you find our conversations interesting and informative. Please leave your feedback and comments in the link provided in the episode description. Tell us what you like about our content and which aspects of additive manufacturing would you like us to cover in our future episodes. Until next time, take care and stay safe.